You were listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery, and it is a pleasure to have y'all back with me for another amazing episode. I know they're all amazing because that's how I feel. They're all my children, and I love each one of them equally. Eh, Some more than others, let's be honest. And this one, we're going to make this a quick one because, one, I have been moving for the last five or six days, coming up on six days now. Yes, it is Tuesday night. And last time, this week, on this day, I was pulling up from the Nashville airport at right around 11.25 p.m., having just left Los Angeles to teach the back end of my master's level neuro-linguistic programming class. And you'll remember that because about a month ago, I did an episode where I just came back from the first half. And so we did um, about 88 hours of training, I believe, 40 hours live the the first week. Then we did four Zoom classes in the middle, two hours each week. Then we did 40 hours again on the back end. And so I came back from, you know, doing this with Aubrey. You've met her a couple times. So we did this together. It was an amazing time. And while I was away, a girlfriend uh, popped her back out, picking something up with her back instead of her legs. And she heard a horrible noise, fell to the floor, and was in excruciating pain for a long time. So a couple things from that. Live with your legs, not with your back. I have learned that the hard way in my life. And unfortunately, she had a taste of that over this last week. Because of that, she wasn't able to accomplish a lot of the things that she wanted to while I was out of town. So blessed that she was able to rest up and get her back somewhat, get herself back, get her back somewhere back to normal. Not a lot, trust me, excruciating pain. I've really felt for her this whole time. And I also have plantar fasciitis in my left foot, which is actually, it turns out, a knee and calf issue and can also be an issue with hip alignment. So I learned a lot of stuff off YouTube about plantar fasciitis, and I have this. And so I had it the entire time we were moving, which made my left leg throb and hurt. So I had a bum left leg. She had a pop back back, and it was a good old time. We started moving Wednesday morning, and we just today got everything out of the house, and there's still a bunch of stuff in the garage. And that's why there wasn't an episode last week. For those of you who are listening to this in the archive, you didn't even notice there wasn't an episode last week, but some of the people in my tribe did. And I thank all of you who listen regularly for checking in on me and making sure everything was okay over here, because that shows me that not only do you care, but you're keeping up with the show. Or not only does it show me that you're keeping up with the show, but it tells me that you care. And that both matters to me. Now, what is today's episode going to be about? We are going to talk about my five key strategy points to make sure that I didn't lose my shit over the last month. This has been one hot diggity dog of a month. Between planning for my presentation at the Certified Recovery Support Specialist Conference down in Birmingham, um, you guys know I'm a CRSS. I've been a CRSS now for, um, goodness gracious, I think I took the original training back in June of last year. So I'm coming up on a year now being a CRSS and I'm just finishing up my stint at his way and I'm getting now ready to move over to Wellstone, which is another um, recovery support services um, 
organization here in Huntsville and super excited about that. Met with them for the first time today. Um, I was at his way yesterday and I'm going to be at his way again tomorrow. And then my last shift over there will be next week. And so that was all happening two weeks ago. And then I went to Los Angeles and I had to prepare for every hour I train. I usually prepare for about two hours. And this is the first time we taught master practitioner level in this way. So there was a lot of new preparation for material that I had already prepared previously for, but needed to be touched up for being done live. So for every hour I trained, which was about 40 hours, I had to prepare for two hours. So we were looking at about 80 hours of preparation for this 40 hours of training. And then on top of that, I knew that we were moving. And so we had to start preparing for that. And there was movers to schedule, refrigerators to buy and schedule, making sure we canceled one internet and started up the next internet. There was a lot of stuff, a lot of moving pieces to all of this. So where am I going with this? Five key strategy points I have used in the month of April 2023 to make sure I didn't lose my shit. Because I don't believe in overwhelm. I believe in staying focused and grounded on the task at hand in order to be able to accomplish tasks. I know that overwhelm is something that we like to throw around as a word, as a feeling, as an idea or an attitude. Um, Don't get me wrong. There's absolutely times where I look around and I'm like, what in the hell is happening right now? And that's whenever I use my grounding techniques and I use these five key strategy points to make sure that I keep myself on my mark. Uh, one of my friends today that I know through the South Huntsville Main Business Association, uh, just an amazing lady. She's done just tremendous help for me in just learning my way around Huntsville. And uh, she doesn't listen to the show, so she's not going to hear me applaud her. Uh, but she's just been of great help. She's just a really great supporter of, of the Jesse Mogul life and just what she's been able to introduce me to here just means a lot. And today she looked me in the eyes and she's like, you know, you have been crushing it these last few months and you have done so much this month. It's just astounding to see the amount of things that you can take care of all at the same time. And I do it um, with my P4F, my priority four focuses, and I do it with these five key strategies. And these were so obvious to me over this month, and we're just now coming up, uh, what is it? It is um, April 18th. Um, I guess Thursday's 420, which I think is hilarious because back in the day, I'd smoke myself stupid on 420. And this year, we will be closing up the old house and finally having everything for, into the new house on 420. So it's just pretty interesting to me to be able to say, you know, look at what I was able to do in this month on this day compared to what I used to do on this month, which I just used uh, the fourth month of the year. You know, April is the fourth month. I was like, it's all, the whole fucking month is 420. Um, now I get a lot of things taken care of because every day I wake up is the best day of my life because I'm sober. I love it. So let's get into this because, uh, again, I want to make this a shorter show because I want to get this stuff edited and up so you can listen to it. And I got to be up at 630 in the morning for another awesome day. So let's discuss my five key strategy points that I utilized in this month. And I utilize them all the time, but I really became apparent to me over these last five uh I almost said five months, um, five weeks really of preparing for April and what I've done over this time. So here they are. Planning, time management and creation, staying calm, asking for help and flexibility. Now these are 
all of the things, but these were the five key things I was really noticing throughout this entire time that have really helped me. So let's dive into these because planning, I think, is extremely important. Every addiction recovery center I've dealt with, even the ones I've never dealt with that I talk to people who have attended, will tell you, you show up and they start laying out a structure. They start giving you a plan, right? Whether it's the 12 steps, it's the four truths. Everybody has a program. Everybody, you show up, they're going to start to lay out a plan for you because you can start to notice the benchmarks that you're hitting. Developing a solid plan for your recovery can help you stay focused and motivated. We know this. We know that it works because you have been listening to this show for 200 some episodes, right? It's not just about setting goals for your sobriety, creating a schedule for meetings and therapy sessions and outlining steps for the managing of your triggers and cravings, but it's taking action on this stuff too. You can have a plan, but you got to take the action. You've got to take the actions. You can set a goal. You can schedule your therapy sessions. You can outline your steps for managing your triggers and cravings. But if you don't take action on these and all of a sudden a trigger happens and a craving hits and you're just like, that's it, I'm going to the bar because that's how I've always handled this, right? Every single day you're going to get triggered. There are no weak people. There are strong triggers. And these things are like landmines. You don't see them coming. You won't even know why your ears just got warm. You won't even know why your heart rate just kicked up. But all of a sudden, you're in a state of flux, and you better have a plan. You want to have a plan. I had a plan for this move. I had a plan for the training in LA. I had a plan for the CRSS, and I followed through on the plan. Sure, did I get off that stage and realize I could have said 500 different things differently? Could I have closed it out a little bit better? Could I have organized the material in a way that was even more succinct and more heartfelt and more to the point? Yeah, I could have. Each time I present, each time I speak, I figure out a little bit more about a more desirable way to present the information. Just like when I train, I figure out new ways of saying things. Just like whenever I move, I figure out new ways of organizing my life. It all comes down to taking the action. And then there's a, then there'll be an even more desirable plan the next time. Time management and creation. I do not believe you manage time. I believe you create time. That's why this shows up in the number two slot. Staying sober requires a significant amount of time, energy, and effort. And it's absolutely helpful to prioritize recovery-related activities. Carving out time each day for self-care or exercise or relaxation, as well as making time for therapy or support group meetings or the tribe, uh, any kind of recovery-related commitments, this stuff matters. And I really want to touch on the self-care part of this because self-care is extremely important. And you've got to figure out what that means to you. When we were in the throes of moving, I mean, it was literally like 7 a.m. to midnight, just day, Wednesday, Thursday, movers coming at 8 a.m. on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, trying to get everything organized in the house. It was a fucking mess, man. And It got to a point where there wasn't going to be time to stop and work or read or listen to my podcast because it was go, 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 go. So where did I find out these little opportunities for self-care? It was whenever I was driving from one house to the next and putting on um, Business Wars and listening to this really cool season about ESPN versus Fox Sports. It was um, taking 30 minutes out each night before I went to bed to throw on The Mandalorian and watching little baby Grogu yo 
Yoda, you know, do some cool ass shit with Mandalorian. Like it was just these little moments. But during the middle of the day, when it was go 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 time, I wasn't just gonna be like, oh, that's it. I, I just I just need some gesture time. I'm gonna go. I just need to go meditate for an hour in my office, and I just just need to breathe. Like. Things needed to be done. There are going to be times in your life. Now, if you're new to recovery, you're going to have your own thing going on, and you're going to need to know when to step back and, and when you're going to want to step forward. Like, But even if you've got two years or 20 years, like there's a time where it's like, okay, this is when I need to step up and be awesome. Right? There, yeah, there's a lot of shit going on. There's a lot of moving pieces. It's like, you know, there's this uh, book I love to read called Einstein's Dreams, and it talks about time in different ways. And there's this one where, like, houses are moving and everything's flying around the air. Like, the whole world's constantly just flying around. And it's like, sometimes it just feels like life is flying around you. But with, it comes down to a time where it's like, okay, this is what has to be done now. We got to get this stuff done. There'll be time to take a breather and take a relax, but it is not right now in this moment. It's going to be up to you to make that judgment call for yourself. I'm not going to sit here and tell you not to go hide off in in a closet during a move for 20 minutes, breathing in and meditating. Have that conversation with the people involved and say, look, if I get a little overwhelmed, if I get a little too much right now, right, that's just what I, I just need to take a step back. I just need to walk away. I know I literally just used the word overwhelm when I told you not too long ago. I didn't believe in overwhelm, but I'm not going to tell you what to believe in. For me, when I start to say, okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I just I, I stop that thought. Okay, that's an automatic negative thought. Overwhelmed, that becomes like some sort of escape lever on you know one of those top gun jets. I don't need to escape lever out of this mess. I need to stop. And let's just move over to number three right now and stay calm. Emotions are intense. We're humans. Emotions are intense. That's the beauty and the grace of being a human is that we have these intense emotions. And whether it's during a move or whether it's during our addiction recovery, it is extremely important to stay calm and centered. Not just in order to avoid a lapse or a relapse, but literally just to be grounded. It could be deep breathing, it could be meditation, mindfulness. Now, mindfulness gets thrown around a lot. So there's a lot of different ways I could frame this. We're not going to get too in-depth in it right now but because I've talked about it a lot. But for me, sometimes mindfulness could just be looking around and thinking, okay, what are five things that I see that are blue? What are four sounds that I'm hearing? What are three things that I can touch? What are two things that I can smell? What are one thing I can taste? Like something as simple that can just... Bring you from that overloaded amygdala, that feeling of overwhelm, to being calm. This is why I say I don't believe in overwhelm. Because when overwhelm's happening, that's just the engine running hot. So what can I do to cool my engine off? Figuring out ways that you can ground yourself, that you can manage that stress, that anxiety. This stuff's going to pay dividends. Because there's, there are going to be times in life, whether you're at day one of sobriety and recovery or day 100,000, where you're just going to feel like like a tsunami is, come, is just rushing towards you. When you're feeling those, I want you to have a plan in place to slow yourself down and stay calm. It matters. It matters. 
Sobriety and recovery is my number one priority every single day. What am I doing to just, it's not even like this whole idea of maintenance anymore as much as like, okay, I have settled into this cruise control life. It's awesome. I love it. But I also know that relapse starts way before the first time you reuse. That lapse can that can come out of nowhere. Again, triggers and minefields. So what am I doing to just make sure that I'm taking care of myself? Because you could you could keep running the engine hot day after day after day after day and think it's fine. And it might be for four, six, eight, twelve weeks. But what happens when you start getting up into day two fifty and three hundred of running yourself ragged without really stepping back and figuring out ways to rejuvenate yourself? I can take a walk in the woods. I can listen to some cool trance. I can listen to my self-talk app. I can listen to some business wars. I can read a really cool inspirational meme. I can go talk to the tribe. I have tens upon tens upon tens of things that even just for five minutes can just get me to stop my brain long enough to just go. Goose fraba. And this leads us to number four, asking for help. When it came to the move, I knew when to ask for help. When Jen popped her back out, she was able to call up one of the family members to take her to have her back checked out. We already had movers planned. We knew better than to try to pick up a bunch of stuff in our house when we're in our 40s and we've already been lifting and jerking things around since we were in our 20s and not paying attention to our backs. Trust me, pick up enough stuff in your 20s that you start feeling it in your 30s and you really regret all that crap in your 40s. I'm like, you know what? I work out. I keep myself healthy. I keep my back strong. I lift with my legs. I was ready to be able to do more than what I was asked because she was only able to do half as much as she normally could. So it was like I had to be two, three people at once because she was unable to just be the one whole person to no fault of her own. Her back popped. It happens. What can we do to move forward? Yeah, there were some moments of contention because she didn't want to be in pain. She didn't want to be exhausted the way that she was. I didn't want to be the only one able to pick up a couch, but we did what we needed to do when it needed to be done, and we knew when to ask for help. Brother came over and helped us pick up some heavy things. The mover showed up. I was even loading things into the truck so that it wouldn't take them so long and we could save a little bit of money. Knowing when to ask for help is so important. For those of you with a sponsor, you know what it's like to call them up and ask for help. For those of you with a therapist, psychologist, you know what it's like to call them up and get an emergency meeting. But who else do you have? Do you have somebody from your meetings you can just call up and BS with? Do you have somebody who likes to talk about black holes but maybe doesn't like to talk about sports? So do you have two different people, one for sports, one for black holes? I do. I do, I do, I do, I do happen to have one person who wants to talk about black holes and also football. Um, it's rather exciting talking to Eags because Eagle and I can start at black holes and we can finish with like microbiomes. It's pretty rad. Um, but I also have other people who want to talk about fish. And other people who want to talk about trance. And I know who to call when I want to talk about one of those particular things. Who do you have to ask for help? There are going to be times when you're going to want to be able to lean on your friends and your family members and to seek guidance from a therapist or attending a support group. The most important time to begin to get your support system ready is when you don't need it. Because you do not want to be calling people out of the clear blue, asking them for support who haven't heard from you in months. It's the same thing with, a, you know, when I talked about this on the College Success Habits show. When kids get on campus, I say, go and talk to the counselor. Get yourself in the system. 
Meet with them once a month when things are going great. So when you have a bad breakup or your drinking starts taking your life sideways, you already got a person in place who knows you who has an understanding of your background, who's taken some notes on your potential problem areas. So when you call up and you need that emergency meeting at the 11th hour, you're not having to jump through all of their hoops to get on their schedule. You've already got the plan in place. That is why planning is important. Noticing where your time is moving and how you're grounding yourself and when you're asking for help All of these things are done with a very strong emphasis on exercising flexibility. Recovery is rarely a linear path. You know how I feel about the word never, so I left it out here. But recovery is rarely a linear path. There is going to be some setbacks. There are going to be some challenges. That's part of the process. And I don't mean a setback like in lapsing or relapsing. I just mean that you might have been communicating with your wife or your husband really well for multiple weeks. And then all of a sudden you get triggered and you snap and you scream at them. And then it's time to sit down and just be like, hey, let's figure out a more appropriate and healthy way to talk to one another. That literally happened tonight in my own house. And it's like, you know, there's got to be a way to talk with one another with more respect, even when we're running hot. I get it. I do. But I'm going to take personal responsibility. I'm not going to blame my leg, all right? There's not going to be blaming, complaining, and making excuses. I don't want to hear blaming, complaining, and making excuses. When I hear that stuff, it's like, where's the personal responsibility? Yeah, I get it. There have been times where I have been working on something and like the drill goes sideways on my hand and or the hammer whacks my thumb. Right. In those moments, I might rage a little bit. I might all of a sudden snap and have 10 seconds of bad Jesse. But okay. When that's done, I'm sorry. I just got a little emotionally triggered in the moment. All right. But that's not what I meant. Let's just let me calm down. Okay. Let's have this uh, adulting 101 conversation here. The problem with a lot of our communication isn't necessarily we don't know how to do it as much as we were never taught the most healthy ways to do it. It's like somebody uh, was recently talking about, it's hard to rehabilitate somebody who was never habilitated. It's, it's going to be hard for you to practice healthy communication when you've never were taught healthy communication. This is where flexibility comes to play. I'm not expecting perfection from anybody, but I am expecting progression. I don't expect perfection from me. I expect to progress. Somebody even once said that, they're like, you know, what is it that you think? Uh, Oh, yeah, we're recently, you know, I'm over at his way. It's a faith-based recovery. And I was talking with the guy who runs it over there, Tom, and I was on their podcast recently. And we were on the show and, again, in person the other day discussing, you know, like what, you know, God would look down upon us humans and think about what we're doing with our lives. And I was like, you know, God's looking down and I don't think he's expecting any level of perfection from me. I think he's expecting progress. And you guys have heard me discuss faith and the belief system around that enough to know that I'm not devoutly religious and I don't spend a lot of time reading the Bible, but I am opened up to all 
different beliefs and opinions because I believe that the wise man listens and the fool ignores. So I'm going to listen to and have awesome conversations. I mean, absolutely amazing conversations about God and the Bible and how it can be a powerful tool and, and, and really bring faith and strength into people's lives. And you can have your own belief systems around that stuff. And you may not want to hear anything about it. And you might be you know nice enough over the last three minutes to hear me ramble on about it to know that, hey, there's just the life is extraordinary. The universe is vast, and I don't have all the answers. In fact, if I ever thought I had all the answers, I would absolutely be stepping out of my triumvirate of my integrity, humility, and gratitude um, that has become the foundation of my entire addiction recovery. So I say all that to just sort of preface this idea that I'm talking with Tom, and we're discussing God, and I'm like, you know, he's looking down. I don't think he wants perfection. I do think he's expecting progression, and that's what I'm expecting. I think the universe is looking down and saying, dude, are you at least trying today to be a more desirable, more um, affluent, more um, strength, all of the above, every positive thing you could ramble off with right now? Are you seeking to become that each and every day? And I am. I am. When my head hits the pillow, I want to know that today I put in maximum effort to just be one step further along in my journey, 1% better, that I tried my damnedest to better myself today. And whether it's having my flexibility and paying attention to that, whether it's asking for help, whether it's staying calm, whether it's time management, whether it's planning, I mean, yes, these are the five key points for this episode, but I could have come up with another 20. I just noticed over the last three to five weeks as I was preparing for April and then being in April that this flexibility played a humongous role. Flexibility, adaptation to changing circumstances can help you stay sober in the face of adversity. Setbacks, again, I went off on that whole tangent because I mentioned setbacks and it's not about lapse or relapse. Setbacks can be the communication. It could be in your time management. It could be in staying calm and grounded. It could be in your planning. Fine. Some things aren't always going to play out the way that we would hope that they would. But being open to trying new coping strategies, adjusting your goals when necessary, forgiving yourself, forgiving yourself. I'm talking specifically to one person in the tribe. But at the same time, I have a megaphone to all of you. Forgive yourself. We are humans. We do not make the best decisions, but we are doing the best we can with the resources we have at the time. We are doing the best we can. We can learn more later on and realize that we could have potentially behaved differently then, but we behaved then based on what we knew then, what we were able to handle then. Of course, a year later, a year and a half later in sobriety and recovery, we are going to have a different perspective. But the version of ourselves making the decisions then was not the version that's looking in the mirror at ourselves now, I really want that to sink in. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course you're looking back at decisions you made five years ago being like, what the hell was I thinking? Of course you are. In fact, if you're not, you might want to question your growth <laughs> and your personal development. But you are looking back and questioning the decisions. You might even have some level of shame and guilt. And I 
get it. But you are a different person now. Make amends to the person you need to make amends to if that's what you need to do. But walking around with an elephant of guilt on your back isn't going to make anything better. And thinking that you don't deserve a good life and locking yourself in that cage is going to destroy you. I'm talking to all of you, not just that one person in particular, although I really feel like I'm looking him in the eye right now. Because I think this is a message that doesn't just work for him, but it works for all of us. Forgiveness is important. The key to our success and our addiction recovery is so many things. And it can be staying focused on the future and remaining committed to our goals. But it can also be looking back at our past and saying, okay, that shit went sideways. I would never do that again. But I did it then. What can I do now to release? To release. Release. When we talked about coping strategies earlier, that can be mindfulness in that five, four, three, two, one. You know, what's five things I can touch and what's four things I can hear and three things that I can see and two things that I can smell and one thing I can taste. Like, you know, that's a great way of being mindful. Thinking about kinesthetic and the touching and the visual and the seeing and the auditory and the hearing. These are powerful. Physical activity, social support, self-care. You know, during this whole thing, there was a lot of self-care of knowing just 30 minutes of watching The Mandalorian or 30 minutes listening to Trance while I drove from house to house. That's why I chose in that moment to say, you know what? Right now, this is my self-care. I went to McDonald's. Now, I'm not dogging on McDonald's. Some of y'all could really enjoy that place. I don't tend to eat a lot of fast food. I definitely haven't eaten McDonald's uh, in quite some time. And then, okay. I have this thing. I have this thing. Let me give you the full story here. I have this thing where back in the day, I used to get super blacked out drunk and drive my car to the Hollywood McDonald's and I would eat it a lot and I would buy like 20 freaking double McDoubles at one time and keep them in my fridge so when I got wasted, I could just pop one in the microwave and eat it. So I really grinded myself down pretty hardcore with the McDonald's. So when I got sober... I stopped eating McDonald's because it was a bit triggery and it just reminded me of the depths of despair I used to live in. That being said, there is a McDonald's in the Phoenix International Airport and it's nowhere near Southwest and you got to take like multiple moving sidewalks and got to go up ramps and it's, it's not close. It takes like a good 20 minutes to walk to. But for some reason, when I'm in that airport, I want McDonald's. And it's not something I want to fight. I don't want to change it. I like it. Going over there and getting myself a Big Mac and it's a little french fry action, it's my jam. It's what I do when I'm in the Phoenix airport. So I was in the Phoenix airport coming back from L.A. And I went and got this McDonald's McDouble cheeseburger thing and ate it all up. And it was yummy, yummy, good, good. So when we're moving into this new house and there happens to be a McDonald's on the corner and we're hungry, and I'm like, I even turned to the girlfriend was like, I know I've been dogging on McDonald's because I ate there in Phoenix. I was like, but I'm really craving a Big Mac. And so we went there. And I remember saying to her, I was like, I know this isn't the healthiest food, but right now I'm experiencing this as self-care. I'm getting jacked up full of their raunchy-ass sugar and their horrible preservatives, and I don't care. I put extra pickles and extra Big Mac sauce on that burger, and I enjoyed every freaking bite of it. (laughs) I did. I did, however, take my own soda water in there because... 
I'm not going to drink Coca-Cola. I'm not going to drink 40 grams of sugar in one sitting, but I am going to sure as hell eat up that yummy, yummy good time burger. Okay, you know, okay, I I just got to be transparent here. Last night I went to Sonic and I had a a foot-long chili cheese coney and a double Sonic burger with tater tots. (laughs) I was like, and tonight we're eating like chicken and, and, and dirty rice with this turkey burger in it and some carrots. And we, we we needed to eat healthy tonight. And I remember looking at over across the table and she was like, I can't eat fast food anymore. I'm like, me neither. I was like, I realized last night when I was eating a foot-long chili cheese coney and a strawberry shake and a double cheeseburger at like 10 o'clock at night that I was pretty much <laughs> my rock bottom of fast food. And I still did it. That was my version of self-care. I know it wouldn't be my normal version of self-care, but when you're in the throes of all the different moving parts of moving a house, you you take the self-care where you can get it. So I tell you those, to me, hilarious stories. think it is. And again, no judgment if you're if you're if you're eating McDonald's every single day. I don't you, you do you, okay? You know me. I don't judge people right or wrong. I seek to understand people at a deeper, more meaningful level. So you you eat what you want to eat. Um I have certain things that I don't eat that often and I really stepped outside myself and enjoyed that stuff. Cuz during the move, I just there it's like wouldn't eat anything all day. I wouldn't eat a damn thing all day. And then, you know, seven, eight, nine o'clock and roll around. And I'm just like, I just want a frosty shake <laughs> to make Dave's double deluxe. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I was all up in the fast food. But I would be mindful and in those moments, slow myself down and say, this to me right now is my version of self-care. I wasn't be, I wasn't getting enough sleep. I wasn't able to eat my normal healthy diet. Wasn't able to find time to go to the gym. There were things that needed to be done, and I wanted to get them done. I wanted to have as much of this house done. I it just I'm done. I, I I cannot have my life split between two houses. And the other house needs to get rented out by May first. We had a task list, so I chose to utilize self care in a completely different way than I normally would, and it worked. It worked. I came out of the thing sane, right? I mean, I guess I, I, I'd still be, I'd still be running on a lot of preservatives right now. But man, oh man, multiple days of fast food that can really mess you up. So, um, self care can be whatever you choose. Self care could be. Long story short, on that one, and then also um, hobbies. You know, when I think about ways that you can begin to really engage in your um, your flexibility around your sobriety and recovery, I think about hobbies because there are going to be certain hobbies that are going to work for different versions of yourself on different days. Some days for me, going out and getting steps and listening to trance music is, is my preferred hobby. Other days, it's rocking out on my ukulele that I only know three chords on. Other days, it could be um, sitting out there with the jump rope. Other days, it could be bouncing up you know, my little gator ball up against the wall multiple times and seeing how many times I can bounce it off the wall, off the roof, and into my hand like I'm in some episode of Friends where they can't drop the ball for the whole episode. There's a lot of different things that you can consider anything you want to be a hobby. It could be reading, it could be painting, it could be writing, it could be shooting videos for social media. You get to decide what your hobby is. I just ask you to be mindful enough to ask yourself, is it rejuvenating you? Is it helping you um, with your calmness, with your rejuvenation, with your adaptation to your new life? I said when I first got sober, 
that I dove back into podcasting and writing and shooting videos and doing all of this stuff that I loved doing, but I willingly gave up for addiction. Like I used to say addiction took it from me, but I knew that I was spending day after day after day drinking myself into a blackout, and I still kept doing it. It was, to me, it was just more important than all those hobbies. Addiction willingly was handed over all of my hobbies. So whenever addiction went bye-bye, all my hobbies came back to me and I put a lot of detail of attention into knowing what hobbies I was going to surround myself with. I want to get a xylophone this year and and teach myself xylophone again. Because I'll tell you what, when I was in the seventh grade and I missed music music, uh, instrument picking day, at Central Middle School in Columbus, Indiana, and I showed up the next day, and all the good instruments were taken, and all there was was this big-ass xylophone, and I was like, what the F am I supposed to do with a xylophone? I'll tell you what I did with a xylophone. I became the xylophone fucking savant. Nobody in that room could believe how much I could tear up a couple wooden sticks with a wooden ball at the end of them. I was like, it's fish known of my talent in there, and also the band would have been formed in 1985, Six, seven, whatever. I'm telling you what, I would have been in fish playing the xylophone. That's just the way that it is. I'm I'm just telling you the facts. This is how good I was at the xylophone. I want to bring that hobby back because you know what? What the hell? Why not? All right, my friends, that's my five keys. I want you to pay attention to those. Thank you for letting me go off my own little McDonald's fast food xylophone tangent for the last um, seven or so minutes. Uh, I just felt like laughing with you for a little bit. It has been a uh, one hell of a one hell of an April, and I can't wait for it to just finish strong and to look back at April 2023 and be like, that is the power of planning. That is the power of time management and creation. Uh, that is the power of staying calm and rejuvenating myself, for knowing when to ask for help, and for exercising flexibility. These are five key areas that I have focused on for the last three to five weeks, and really just I'm noticing how important this stuff is in day-to-day life, let alone in addiction recovery. I wanted to bring it to you. I want you to put some attention on these things. Make sure that you go look at the show notes. I'll list these five there so that you are able to figure out a way to implement these into your life. I can assure you when you put a level of attention to these five key strategy points, you will notice your life just feeling more grounded and like you're in control. And that's what we're looking for here, right? Minefield and triggers, it's going to happen, but there are no weak people. There are only strong triggers. And when you have a plan in place that you can flex from and that you're, you're being mindful and staying calm in the face of adversity and knowing when to turn to others for help, I can assure you when you have these things in place, place, you will wake up every single day knowing it is the best day of your life because you are sober and you are ready for the day. Put your feet on the ground. Go be fucking awesome. When your head hits the pillow, make sure you can know in those moments as your eyes close and the sweet, 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 subtle beauty of sleep begins to envelop you that you have done everything in your power to be best version of yourself today. You are doing the best you can with the resources you have. Each and every day, you are accumulating new resources, 
go out there and fucking rock it, badass. All right, my friends, if you want to know more about learning NLP from me, go to jessemogul.com forward slash ask me. Send me over a message. We'll get on a phone. We'll do a quick little 30-minute chat, figure out what's going on in your life, figure out how I might be of service to you. And from there, sky's the limit, my friends. All right, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. Shout out to sunshine. Go on. See you next week. Bye-bye.